0: Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15-20 to minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. Um, so I was scrolling through today's deals with Palmetto State Armory, and I came across a Sentry Arms Draco AK-9 that is on clearance. This Romanian beauty has a stamped receiver, Picatinny optics rail on top of the dust cover, a rear sling mount, and it is compatible with the AKM handguard. The regular price of this gun is eight ninety nine ninety nine, but you can pick this one up today for five ninety nine ninety nine. Go check it out. The link is in the show description, as always, and I appreciate you for helping me help my partner. Uh, Got a long show today because so much happened yesterday. First, let us begin with the tale of Go Woke, Go Broke. Bud Light has suffered a staggering sales hit following the beer brand's controversial marketing tie-up with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney with the latest data showing an alarming 17% drop, according to an industry research firm. The latest sales data from Nielsen IQ and Bump Williams Consulting shows that Bud Light sales fell 17% in dollars, while volume dropped a whopping 21% in the week ending in April 15th. That's sharply ahead of the 6% drop in sales dollars and 11% drop in volume, that Bud Light had suffered during the week ending in April 8th, the seven days that immediately followed the April 1st launch of the controversial Mulvaney campaign on social media. These numbers are staggering, (laughs) according to an April 23 report from Insights Express, which is a beer-focused newsletter. Right now, this is an extremely difficult scenario for Anheuser-Busch, the Bud Light brand, and for Anheuser-Busch distributors. The Mulvaney campaign has unleashed a torrent of negative publicity for Anheuser-Busch, which announced Friday and over the weekend that the marketing executives responsible for tapping Mulvaney, Alyssa Heiner-Schneid, and Daniel Blake, are taking leaves of absence. Meanwhile, Bud Light's competitors are cashing in on the mess. Bud Light lost 6.7% of market share last week, while Coors Light and Miller Light are up 18%, according to the newsletter. A week earlier, Coors Light's market share was up 10.6% over the same period, and Miller Light up 11.5%. Coors Light and Miller Light were, once again, big beneficiaries. Anheuser-Busch distributors are meeting with the company in Washington, D.C. today. The distributors, some of which have canceled marketing events featuring the uh, Clydesdale horses, they're looking for a much more pointed and well-developed plan on how Anheuser-Busch might stem the onslaught of negative attention and sales trends. Bud Light is the largest beer brand in the United States, but the Mulvaney flap has downsized it significantly. During the NCAA basketball tournament from March 18th to April 1st, it was the clear leader of all light beers at bars and other venues, up 15%, according to Brewbound, a trade publication which cited data from Beer Board But after the Mulvaney campaign launched, demand for Bud Light trailed other light beers by 6% at bars and restaurants. Overall, Bud Light's volume declined by 34.7% at bars, restaurants, and other venues between April 2nd and April 15th. Bud Light dropped to the number four draft beer from number three during the second week of the controversy, switching places with Coors Light. Brewbound uh, is the one that reported that. I want to state a couple things here. I do not support organized cancellation of companies. I don't support it when the left does it. I don't support it when the right does it. And if what Alyssa says is true, which she's the marketing person that's on a leave of absence, Bud Light was already a declining brand and this is going to bury it if it continues much longer. Don't get me wrong. If a brand is not representing you and you want to speak to that brand, the best way to do so is through your pocketbook. However, These are companies with hundreds, if not thousands of workers that played no role in upper management's decision to pander to a finite group of individuals that don't even drink the product in the first place. What needs to happen, in my opinion, is genuine contrition from Anheuser-Busch and InBev. They need to come out and say that they were pandering, say that they disregarded their blue-collar Middle America consumers, and most importantly, they need to genuinely apologize, for the leadership decision to do so with a follow-up commitment to never doing so again in the future. Politics do not belong in beer. That's not why people drink. Honestly, on, I'm sorry, honesty and personal accountability go a long way in today's society because no one is willing to do it anymore. You will get pushback from the loud mouth, sure, but they weren't drinking Bud Light in the first place. Assurance in the dollar's dominance ignores signs that countries are serious about seeking alternatives, according to Rukir Sharma. This is illustrated when taking account of recent trends in gold. The safe haven commodity has surged 20% in the last half year, but demand is coming from central banks, reducing their dollar holdings, not the usual suspects made up of large and small investors. In fact, central banks account for a record 33% of monthly global demand for gold and are buying more gold than at any time since data began in 1950. This buying boom has helped push the price of gold to near record levels and more than 50% higher than what models based on real interest rates would suggest. Clearly, something new is driving gold prices. Nine of the top 10 central banks buying gold are in. Developing countries, including China, Russia, and India. Those three countries, along with fellow BRICS nations Brazil and South Africa, are also part of an effort to create a new currency that is separate from the dollar. Thus, the oldest and most traditional of assets, gold, is now a vehicle of central bank revolt against the dollar. Often in the past, both the dollar and gold have been seen as havens, but now gold is seen as much safer. During the short banking crisis in March, gold kept rising while the dollar drifted down. The difference in the movement of the two has never been so large. Uh, Sharma attributes the rush for gold to the increasing use of the financial sanctions by the United States and its allies, with as much as 30% of nations facing sanctions from the U.S., European Union, Japan, and U.K. That's up from 10% in the 1990s. But after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the West froze the country's currency assets and kicked it out of the SWIFT system. Suddenly, it was clear that any nation could be a target. You mean mixing political feelings with sound financial business decisions on a global scale might have consequences? Color me shocked. In the face of the dollar's weaponization, even U.S. allies like Thailand and the Philippines Are beginning to seek alternative currencies. Most notably, the Chinese yuan has been growing its international reach, but Sharma cites another threat. The fact that the number of central banks attempting to create digital currencies has tripled in three years. The risk for America is that its overconfidence grows, fed by the no-alternative story. That narrative rests on global trust in U.S. institutions and rule of law, But this is exactly what weaponizing the dollar has done so much to undermine. It rests also on trust in the country's ability to pay its debts. But that is also slipping, as its reliance on foreign funding continues to grow. Others have been less wary of de-dollarization fears, citing that the trust in the greenback is difficult to replicate. Commonwealth's Brad McMillan said, Even if a strong alternative was to emerge, it would take monumental effort and persuasion to replace the dollar. Well, there's a monumental effort and a lot of persuasion right now to replace the dollar. In case you haven't been paying attention, Brad. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers said the yuan isn't a threat to the US dollar, largely because China isn't a predictable and reliable market. I guess time will tell who is right, huh? You're only playing with millions of people's lives. What's the worst that could happen? Don Lemon was terminated from his anchor role at CNN, he announced Monday. The news came after Variety published a story this month about allegations that he mistreated his female colleagues over his career there. And earlier this year, he faced backlash over widely criticized comments that he made on air towards Nikki Haley, saying that she was past her prime. Lemon announced the news on Twitter, saying that he was informed by his agent that he was being terminated. I am stunned, Lemon wrote. After 17 years at CNN, I would have thought someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. In a tweet, CNN actually refuted Lemon's account as inaccurate. (laughs) Ha ha ha. The inaccurate news network talking to its inaccurate representative. How funny is that? Don will forever be a part of the CNN family, and we thank him for his contributions over the past 17 years, the statement said. We wish him well and will be cheering him on in his future endeavors. A Variety report published April 5th alleged that Lemon had a long history of questionable behavior toward women. The report was based on more than a dozen former and current colleagues, Variety said, who described Lemon as openly hostile to women at the network. Most of the sources spoke anonymously to the outlet. NBC News has not independently verified those allegations. A spokesperson, For Lemon said in a statement to NBC News following the report, y'all wait for this, that it was, quote, amazing and disappointing that Variety would be so reckless. The story, which is riddled with patently false anecdotes and no concrete evidence, is entirely based on unsourced, unsubstantiated 15 year old anonymous gossip, the statement said. Much like Don's reporting at CNN. We wish you well, Don Lemon. We'll see you hopefully never in the news again. And another huge shakeup on the same day, Tucker Carlson, along with his executive producer, was unceremoniously ousted by Fox News, making Friday the 21st his last show with the network. After a decade-plus career at the network, Tucker Carlson was let go just 10 minutes before Fox News released a statement announcing his departure. The abrupt nature of the ouster was echoed in a report from the New York Times, which said the anchor was told Monday... Morning without any heads up. The producers of Tucker Carlson tonight were planning the evening's broadcast, fellow former Fox News Bill O'Reilly said on his Monday show. Uh they were in the middle of that, O'Reilly said, and boom, Tucker Carlson is history at the Fox News channel. That's how fast it came. I know he didn't want it to go, I know he didn't want to go out this way. I don't even know if he knows the inner decision making. The ouster followed Fox News' massive $787.5 million settlement with Dominion Voting Systems, ahead of which, some of Carlson's private messages about the network were revealed in court documents. Carlson was also at the heart of a discrimination lawsuit, and Fox Corporation Chair Rupert Murdoch was beginning to think his primetime host had gone too far in his conspiratorial coverage of the January 6th riot. In their statement Monday, Fox News didn't say why it and Tucker Carlson agreed to part ways, only that, quote, we thank him for his service at the network as a host and prior to that as a contributor. A spokesperson didn't respond to any requests for comment Um, on the timing of his departure. Carlson agent also didn't respond to requests for comment. Carlson apparently had no idea that his show Friday would be his last as he ate pizza With the Pennsylvania delivery man who thwarted a fleeing suspect, his final words were, we'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, have the best weekend with the ones that you love. We'll see you then. According to multiple outlets, there's speculation that Tucker's covering of the January 6th footage and his private communications that were revealed during the defamation suit lambasting upper management for pushing Sidney Powell and Donald Trump's stolen election narrative pissed. Murdoch off, and that's why he was let go. Any of this at this point, though, is just speculation. I actually like Tucker Carlson. I'm excited to see where he ends up. Developers using Apple's App Store are now allowed to bypass its 30% commission fee by steering users to their own payment systems, a federal appeals court ruled on Monday. The ruling came as part of an antitrust lawsuit by Epic Games, the creator of Fortnite, after Apple kicked it off the App Store in 2020. Epic had integrated its own payment system into the app for users to buy V-Bucks, Fortnite's in-game currency, which went against App Store guidelines. While much of Monday's ruling went in Apple's favor, the court ruled that the company violated unfair competition laws with its anti-steering provision, which prevented developers from encouraging users to make payments outside the app. Epic is a competing games distributor and would earn additional revenue— but for Apple's restrictions, said the three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. It added that Apple could not enforce the anti-steering provision against any developer. However, Apple still has plenty to celebrate because the court ruled that it wasn't violating antitrust laws, the main focus of Epic Games' complaint. The panel said Epic Games failed to show how Apple could have implemented alternative means for Apple to accomplish the pro-competitive justification supporting iOS's walled garden ecosystem. And it also ruled that there's nothing wrong with Apple forcing developers to use its own iOS payment system rather than the one they created for themselves like Epic did. Apple called it a resounding victory, but added, we respectfully disagree with the court's ruling on the one remaining claim under state law and are considering further review. Tim Sweeney, the Epic Games CEO, tweeted out and said Apple prevailed at the Ninth Circuit Court. Fortunately, the court's positive decision rejecting Apple's anti-steering provisions frees iOS developers to send consumers to the web to do business with them directly there. The ruling comes after Elon Musk stoked discussions about the App Store's 30% fee last November, soon after he took over Twitter. The Twitter Blue subscription costs $8 on the web, but $11 on the app to account for Apple's fees. This is an interesting case. I don't know if Epic will take it higher than the Ninth Circuit of Appeals. Um, We shall see in the future. The World Health Organization has warned of a high risk of biological hazard in Sudan's capital city, Khartoum, as one of the warring parties has seized a national laboratory holding measles and cholera pathogens. The fighters have also ejected the technicians from the laboratory, the news agency said. Sudan has descended into crisis after a war erupted between the army and the rapid support forces paramilitaries on April 15th. The residential areas have turned into war zones with at least 459 deaths and over 4,000 injured in the conflict so far. The violence has cut supplies of water, power, and food, Foreign countries have airlifted embassy staff out of Khartoum after several attacks on diplomats, including the killing of an Egyptian attaché shot on his way to work. India has started evacuating its nationals from the country. Today, the first batch of Indians stranded there left for India. Earlier in the day, uh, Britain launched a large-scale evacuation of its nationals on military flights from an airfield north of Khartoum. France and Germany said they had each evacuated more than 500 people of various nationalities and that a French commando had been hit by crossfire during the operation. Last Thursday, World Health Order's regional director described the situation as horrific and said almost 330 people had died and almost 3,200 more injured as a result of fighting in Khartoum and a number of other states, including the Darfur states. Movement in Khartoum was restricted due to the insecurity, creating challenges for doctors, nurses, patients, and ambulances to reach health facilities, putting the lives, lives of those who need urgent medical care at risk. People who required regular care for chronic diseases were unable to access treatment, and mental health and psychosocial needs, especially among children, were increasing, the World Health Order official said. Widespread blackouts continued. And lack of electricity in certain areas and hospitals place patients at high risk. There are acute water and fuel shortages in health facilities, and a number of water stations in Khartoum have gone out of service. In hospitals, there are severe shortages of specialized medical staff, oxygen supplies, and blood bags. I understand a lot of times that things that happen in other countries are not our fault or our responsibility uh, from a humanitarian aid effort I don't know that that I don't see this being a situation where if help can be given, it should. Um, This is a it's a bad situation. And when you start hearing that uh, laboratories that contain extreme biohazard risks have been taken over, uh, you're going to start seeing biological warfare in a way that I don't think we're really prepared for. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said on Monday that the Senate will hold a vote on the Equal Rights Amendment this week. In this ominous hour of American history, the Equal Rights Amendment has never been as necessary and urgent as it is today, Schumer said in a statement. The New York Democrat pointed to the Supreme Court's decision last year overturning Roe v. Wade, which they didn't do. They kicked it back to the states. As well as the current legal battle over the common abortion pill. Common. It's just common. Fucking abort your babies. Common mepheprizone or however the hell you say that word uh for the new vote on the ERA recent events like the supreme court's horrible dobbs decision uncertainty with critical care drugs like mem critical care drugs critical care like or however you say it and a slew of proposed state actions have women in this country facing an un- uncertain future You guys can't even define what a woman is, so like, how do you know what our future looks like? The ERA, a proposed constitutional amendment that would guarantee equal rights under the law regardless of sex, was passed by both chambers of Congress and sent to the states for ratification in 1972. However, Congress set a deadline that the amendment be ratified by the necessary three-fourths or 38 of the states by 1979. It voted to extend the deadline until 1982, but only 35 states ultimately ratified the amendment. After Nevada and Illinois ratified the ERA in 2017-2018, and Virginia became the 38th state to approve the amendment in 2020. The bill, heading to the Senate floor this week, would remove the original deadline for ratification of the ERA and recognize it as valid to all intents and purposes as part of the Constitution. We are here to stand united and inch by inch restore, fight for, and expand women's rights so that the women of today and generations of tomorrow will not know a future with less access than their mothers had, Schumer said in a Monday statement. The ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment will finally provide a constitutional remedy against sex discrimination, pushing our country one step closer to finally achieving equal justice under the law, he added. 52 senators have signed on to the bill, including Lisa Murkowski, a fucking course she did, who introduced the legislation alongside Ben Cardin. Did you hear that? A Republican introduced this legislation. Susan Collins of Maine. Of course, of course you two women did this. However, the inclusion of the ERA in the Constitution faces several barriers beyond a vote in Congress, including legal questions of whether Congress even has the authority to remove the original deadline on the amendment's ratification and whether states can rescind their ratification, and I fucking hope they do. Five states, Idaho, Kentucky, Nebraska, Tennessee, and South Dakota, have voted to rescind their ratification of the ERA. I need someone to tell me what rights women do not have in this country legitimately, right now, in this moment in time, what rights do women not have that men have? If you have a legitimate response, and by legitimate, I mean rights, not privileges, hit me up on Twitter. handles at Shouse34 because I would love to have that debate with you. There's no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children, Biden said. Quoting a former teacher during his speech in the White House Rose Garden honoring the 2023 National and State Teachers of the Year. His statement drew sharp criticism on social media from politicians and parents alike, blasting him, suggesting the state and the political left have no ownership over their children of the country. Biden's comments were reminiscent not only of Clinton's village take, but also of liberal former MSNBC host. Calling a two thousand uh, calling in a two thousand and sixteen commercial for the collective care of a community's children instead of parents taking care of their kids themselves. "Quote: We've never invested as much in public education as we should because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children." This was Melissa Harris Perry. Um, in the commercial, uh, it was the lean forward campaign. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize the kids belong to whole communities. She said, you want your war, this type of language and rhetoric it is how you get it. There isn't a single war crime on planet earth that I wouldn't commit to protect my children, I promise you that my children are not yours. I have the scars, stress marks, and title of mommy that prove it. The concerted effort to destabilize and destroy the nuclear family is in what it feels like the final stages here in the United States. Shy of starting the Biden Youth Project, this notion that one's children belong to the party instead of their parents is repulsive and rejected. Full stop. Susan Rice... President Biden's main domestic policy advisor is leaving the White House after more than two years as the 80-year-old chief executive gears up for a re-election campaign and days after a report indicates that she ignored concerns about migrant kids being pressed into work. Rice reportedly clashed with other Biden aides over the border crisis that began during the president's first year in office. Rice's office occupied the upper floor of the West Wing where she was rarely seen by journalists on the White House grounds, though she was the occasional target of anonymous attacks by insider rivals. Current and former White House officials blasted Rice to the left-leaning American Prospect magazine last year and accused her of creating an abusive and dehumanizing workplace. Rice at one point berated Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra, 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 however you say that, And accused him of incompetence in processing migrants at the border, according to the May 2022 article. At a meeting where Biden also expressed his frustration to Becerra, Rice allegedly passed a note to a colleague saying, Don't help him. Investigating, guess, oh my God, I cannot talk, you guys. Investigative reporting later revealed that many unoccupied minors released at the border were placed by health and human services with businessmen who treated them like indentured servants and put them to work rather than into school. A health and human services whistleblower, Linda Brandmiller, told the New York Times last week that she was ousted by Becerra's department after raising concerns internally about child labor. In the same report, the Times cited two sources as claiming Rice was told in summer of 2021 of a memo raising alarms about reports that migrant kids were working alongside their sponsors, in likely violation of child labor laws. The report implied that Rice was more concerned about moving kids out of border facilities than what happened to them once they left. Optics, optics, optics. Biden's statement announcing Rice's departure said that her team had reversed the harmful immigration policies of the previous administration, reunified more than 670 children separated from their families, and rebuilt the broken system of care for unaccompanied children, putting their safety and well-being first and foremost. The border emergency will enter a new phase May 11th when the Title 42 policy that allowed for rapid expulsions during the COVID-19 pandemic is fully lifted. Fiscal 2022, which ended September 30th, saw a record-breaking 2.4 million arrests of people who illegally crossed The U.S.-Mexico border and arrests already are up 4% this year. The longtime Democratic advisor previously worked as President Barack Obama's ambassador to the United Nations and then as his national security advisor, serving all eight years of his administration. As the only person to serve as both national security advisor and domestic policy advisor, Susan's record of public service makes history, Biden said. But what sets her apart as a leader and colleague? is the seriousness with which she takes her role and the urgency and tenacity she brings, her bias towards action and results, and the integrity, humility, and humor with which she does this work. Rice's departure was announced one day before Biden is expected to release a video announcing that he will seek a second term in 2024. The unsaid is the door closing on Barack Obama's third term of his presidency and the approval, or lack thereof, of Biden's announcement to run for re-election. That is your Tuesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I apologize for the long episode today, you guys, but I really wanted to touch on all of these subjects I love you guys. You guys take care. Have a wonderful Tuesday afternoon and I will see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out ShouseInTheHouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.